When I was little, I used to have a story about a bunny to whom everyone asked what he wanted to be when he grew up. A firefighter, a construction worker. No, what the bunny wanted was to be a daddy. The last image in that storybook of a daddy bunny putting his little bunnies to bed is engraved in my mind. I wanted to be that daddy bunny. I have always wanted to be a dad. But being a dad is more than just having children. You also have to bring them up. And that's when it gets tough. We have to love them, teach them values, spend lots of time with them so that they catch your values. I think that if we spend too much time trying to make money so that we can take the kids to Disney World or to get a bigger house, the time will fly by. And before we know it, when we have the big house or the money to go to Disneyland, it'll be too late. I don't remember caring about not having the things other kids had, but I do remember playing catch with my dad. I remember him taking us to the little amusement park in town. And I hope those are the things that he remembers too, because at the time of death, it won't matter how much money I made or how many degrees I had. It won't matter how big my house was or whether we went on expensive vacations or not. What will matter is what kind of dad I was and what my kids think of me and ultimately what kind of adults and parents my kids will be. So to all fathers out there, may our God, who is the Father, continue to bless you with the grace of leadership, time, patience, and strength, that you will continue to excel in the most important job of your life. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, we have all our usual segments today. Lawrence with our Saint of the Week. Jenna with our Diocesan Update. Chris Giardino is back to offer us some good suggestions on DVDs to rent over the summer. Um, and Chris Dimitrenko is here with me right now. you have any plans for Father's Day? Uh, well, unfortunately, I won't be able to see my father oh. over Father's Day. He lives too far away. But you'll phone him, presumably. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Give him a little phone call. I'll spend some time. He'll I'll be, be out fishing, actually. Oh, that's uh, he good does that almost do. every weekend, but especially on Father's Day. Oh, nice, nice. I won't. I'm going to be at a soccer tournament with my children, so Aww. that's our Father's Day. Anyway, on the second half hour of the program, we're going to be speaking with Brian Caulfield of the Fathers for Good campaign mm. that you're familiar with mm -hmm. with the Knights of Columbus um, about some of their new initiatives that they have to celebrate and support fathers, and we have some news headlines. Yes, we're going to be uh, talking about. Uh, an example of prayer that uh, Pope Benedict has given us, as well as uh, two uh, conferences that we're going to be talking about, including one uh, where an important Vatican official gave us an example of uh, business ethics and, and marketing that we've all, I think, come to accept, but he says it's not acceptable. Okay, I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear details on that. So those details are coming up right up, but first... Here's a song from our featured artists of the week. Now, I know, Chris, you know who Ana da Costa is, but some of our listeners might not, might not know that Ana da Costa is the uh, singing and writing partner of Susan Hu Kong Taylor. They mm. both wrote the famous song of the cross for World Youth Day 2002. Um, in fact, Susan is, I mean, Anna is the, the other half of Deep Water Sound with Susan. Um, and Anna has just released her first official album, her solo album. Tonight, actually, was the release party. And we're going to be speaking with her in our second half hour. So here she is with her song, Color of My Hair. <laughs> <laughs> 
and where will I go? Will I be strong enough to let your light show? And when everything falls around me, will I still be standing? When life gets too busy, Lord, will I still be saying, Oh, I love you. I love you. Today and what will I wear? What do people really think about the color of my hair? And why do I bother Lord with what the world offers? All that really matters are my sisters and my brothers. And did I love you? Did I love you? Did I love you? Of the air, where they find their home, and I look all around me. I see that you are provider. I place all my trust in you, and then, Lord, I wonder, what will I eat today, and what will I wear? What do people really think about the color of my hair? And why do I bother, Lord, with what? World offers all that really matters are my sisters, my brothers. And did I love you? Did I love you? Did I love? I love you, Lord. Did I love you? Of your hair, I'm your father, and I am faithful to my promise. My child, in my eyes, you are precious, and I love you. I love you. Oh, I love, I love you, child. I love. That was Ana da Costa with her song "Color of My Hair." We're going to be speaking with Ana in about half an hour, and in about 15 minutes, some suggestions of movies to watch over the summer. But before that, here's our news. Well, Pedro, at the general audience, the Pope returned to his current series of catechesis, and it's on the subject of prayer. And uh, the current example that he he's giving us is the prophet Elijah who God called to bring the people back uh, to himself and to conversion. And that's from chapter 18 of the first book of Kings. And uh, the situation with Elijah was uh, that the people were torn between the prophet Baal and between, uh, between the Lord God. And uh, Elijah asked of God uh, what God himself wished to do, which is to show himself in all his mercy faithful to his nature as Lord of life, who forgives, converts, and transforms. These are the words of Pope Benedict. And Elijah tells us two things today, principally. 
Firstly, he shows us the priority of the first commandment of God's law. And as you know, the first commandment, have no God, have no other gods but God. And also, um, you know, we have idols today, and the Pope gave us examples of idols, totalitarian regimes, various forms of nihilism, uh, where men uh, become slaves of idols, in effect, and new forms of idols. Mm-hmm. And secondly, uh, Elijah shows us that the main objective of prayer is conversion, and this fire of God transforms our hearts and makes us capable of really seeing him and living for him. Now, a couple of conferences to tell you about, Pedro. Uh, the first one, an announcement about a conference on combating sex abuse to happen in the Vatican. Uh, it's called Towards Healing and Renewal. It's going to be held in February 2012 at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. It's supported by a number of different Vatican bodies. Now, uh, some of the experts are going to be from great academic institutions. They're going to be psychologists, pastoral staff, lawyers, theologians, And the conference is going to help bishops uh, because the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith has asked bishops' conferences to develop guidelines and a pastoral plan. Every bishops' conference in the world has got to submit this next year to the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. So this will help them do that. Now there's also going to be another conference on sex abuse that's going to be happening in Canada. And Daniel Seary of the Faculty of Religious Studies at McGill University uh, is helping run this, along with Sister Nula Kenny. Uh, Sister Kenny uh, participated in uh, a very important inquiry in St. John's, Newfoundland, about sex abuse when Canada was first really becoming aware of the problem. And she also contributed to uh, what was called From Pain to Hope, and that was the response to a, a sexual abuse from Canada's Conference of Catholic Bishops. And we were really um, uh, one of the first Uh, Episcopal conferences around the world to develop um, a thorough response to the sex abuse crisis. I think it became, um, uh, Canada became conscious of the problem, I think, a little sooner than than it really blew up in the United States. And uh, Sister Nula Kenny, uh, she revealed this on an upcoming episode of of Witness. Uh, She was talking about this upcoming conference, and that interview is going to be airing on Salt and Light Television on August 21st. You can go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and we'll have more information about that uh, excellent interview in the coming weeks. Now, one more conference to tell you about, and that's on business ethics. And uh, it's called the Executive Summit of Ethics, and it was organized by the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace. And the goal of the conference is to put caritas and veritate into practice. That's the social encyclical by Pope Benedict, uh, published two years ago. And, uh, and, they're, and the Vatican is still really trying to make sure that, that this is not a forgotten document, that these important principles that were created are being put into practice. And the Secretary of State, uh, Cardinal Tarcisio Bertoni, he was the one who opened the summit. And uh, he called on the business executives and captains of industry who were there to aim for a higher goal, and that's the common good of humanity. And, uh, and he says that business leaders um, who want to take the church's social te- teaching seriously are going to have to be more daring and not limiting themselves to socially responsible practices or just acts of philanthropy, even though these are really good things, but striking out into new territories. And here's what uh, Colonel Bertone said wasn't acceptable. 
and that's doing socially responsible practices primarily as a marketing device. Hmm. And we're seeing a lot of that, you know, uh, companies yeah. tooting their own horn. Yes. Uh, but that can't be the goal, and this, is, this isn't where Caritas and Veritate was trying to, trying to go. Is, is it's not about just being socially responsible so you can sell more things. Yeah, exactly. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light Radio news producer. A reminder to our dear listeners, if you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Jenna with a diocesan update. But before that, our Saint of the Week with Lauren. Hi, Pedro. So on Wednesday, June 22nd, is the Feast of St. John Fisher. Okay. So it's also the Feast of Sir Thomas More. St. Thomas More, yeah. St. Thomas More, which more people might know, but I want to talk about St. John Fisher. Uh, he was a bishop and a martyr. Okay. So he was born in 1469 in England. 1504, he was named Bishop of Rochester, England. Uh, that same year, elected Chancellor of Cambridge University, which he held for the rest of his life. He also tutored uh, Prince Henry, who was later to become Henry VIII. Huh. So when Henry VIII uh, was king, we all know he wanted to divorce... Queen Catherine of Spain, yes, right, um, and so um, Saint John Fisher, Bishop Fisher, became the Queen's chief supporter and counselor. So he went against the King's wishes. Wow! So clearly, uh, that enraged the King. He he even said that he was ready to die on behalf of the indissolubility of marriage. So he was totally against uh, Henry VIII, um, and as I said, uh, he was Henry VIII's tutor before he became king. So there was, they had a history. Uh, so to cut a, a long story short, um, King Henry and several bishop and clergy, um, or some of the bishops and clergy, appealed to Rome because King Henry was wanted to do this, and this was against the church right, teaching. Right, of course. And he wanted to do it in the church. Um, so the king decided um, that they would have to pay to get the king's pardon because this was... He made this like against the law, and so they had to pay um, for his pardon, and also to acknowledge Henry as the supreme head of the church in England. But uh, Bishop Fisher wouldn't do that, uh, and it also says uh, there's a story that a few days later, several of the bishop's servants actually died from poisoning. Really? So they say that it was an attempt yeah, um, to uh, kill him, life, whether yeah. or not it was the king directly or some of the king's um, closest allies. But either way, the king wanted to clear his name, so he condemned the crimes, making poisoning um, a crime of high treason, punishable by boiling the guilty to death, which they actually did. They found, they Some found poor somebody, somebody, and maybe framed him or oh, the person that terrible. they got to do it or however it happened. Henry and he VIII, was yeah. yeah boiled to death. Uh, pretty gruesome period of time. Yeah. Uh, so the next the next year after this happened, Sir Thomas More. That's is when he resigned his chancellorship, and Bishop Fisher was at this time preaching publicly against divorce. Yeah. Two, a year or two later, the Act of Succession was passed, where everyone that was asked to had to acknowledge Henry and Anne Boleyn, his yes. new wife, as the legitimate heirs to the throne. Uh, Bishop Fisher, of course, refused. He was sent to the Tower of London. A year later, 
Pope Paul III declared him a cardinal. Really? Well, he was at the t- in right. prison. And so King Henry was not, not happy. happy. He refused uh, the, red, the red cardinal's hat that they wear. Yeah, the yeah. Cardinals yeah. back then, they're a little different from now. Refuse it to be sent to England. He said, instead, we'll send Bishop uh, Fisher's head, head to Rome. Oh. So don't send the hat, we'll send his head, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, so soon after that, Bishop Fisher was formally charged with treason because he wouldn't acknowledge um, Henry VIII as the supreme head of the church in England, and he was beheaded. Yeah. Um, they stuck, so they, what, what happened was they beheaded him, stuck his head on a pole for two weeks on the London Bridge. Uh, then they threw it into the River Thames um, to be replaced by the head of Sir Thomas More, who was martyred a little bit later. Wow, and I was going to say this would make a great film, but it is a great film. Exactly. So, wow, <laughs> thank you very much. So that's St. John Fisher, feast day together with St. Thomas More on uh, June 22nd. So, uh, wow, um, two men who really stood for what they believed in. Thank you, Lawrence. Lawrence Foucault, our saint expert. He's going to be back in about 10 minutes with our TV programming highlights, so don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Andrew Hall. I play drums in a band called City of Snow, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. To podcast our show, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio, or get it off iTunes for free. It's a free download. And to figure out what movies to rent this summer, stick around for our DVD picks Coming right up. But before that, here's Jenna with our diocesan update. Good day, Pedro. We're on. Uh, We have lots of events across the country coming up in a few weeks. You'd think it'd slow down with the summer, but apparently that's not the case. Uh, One thing that's really special that's going on in Nova Scotia is the Steubenville Atlantic, and they're calling it Rooted. So this is for kids of all ages above the high school age, of course. Yeah. Um, This will be taking place at St. Francis Xavier University in Antigonish, good old Antigonish. The date's July 29th to the 31st. And in honor of this big activity, I guess they're having a bunch of holy hours across the Diocese of Halifax. So check out the Archdiocese website because they have at different parishes throughout the diocese. They'll have a holy hour praying for all the kids that will be attending That's the event. That's a great idea, it's actually. It's a, a huge event. It's getting bigger every yeah. year, too. Uh, also, moving on to Ontario, I know we're skipping a few provinces here, but you know we have a limited amount of time. Ottawa, they're having an under the sun. It's a day for high school students. There will be awesome food, friendship, inspiring talks, small groups, praise and worship, reconciliation, games, and fun. And that's a whole day event. There'll also be music and mass. This is at St. Monica's Church right in Ottawa. Um, The registration begins at 8.30 on June 25th, and that's Saturday, next Saturday. Is that under the sun, S-O-N? That's right, Pedro. Under the sun. Well done. Jesus the sun. (laughs) So next up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, there's an open house at St. Charles Retreat Center. It's, uh, they're celebrating their, I guess they're launching this new retreat center. It's a home of the community Chemin Neuf. And this will be a come and go, come as you please event. So the doors open from 1 p.m. until 5 p.m. And for more information, this is, sorry, this is next Sunday, June the 26th. And you can go to the Winnipeg Archdiocese website for That's that. interesting. I, I, Chemin Neuf is a fairly new community. I got to know them 10 years ago during World Youth Day oh, based in France. Um, I didn't know that they were here in Winnipeg. I think that's their first community. That must be their first community. Excellent, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Next up, we have, this is really cool, Redberry Lake National Park. That's outside of Saskatoon. Um, They're having their eighth annual Catholic conference for families. So I guess what they do is there'll be a candlelight procession on the evening of the 24th. Families can go. They can camp overnight. This is a celebration that includes both the Eastern and Western rites. There'll be reconciliation, icon, veneration, 
Uh, for those who want to make it a camping experience, you can do that. There will be contests for kids and also the Divine Liturgy celebrated by His Excellency Albert Thévenot. And that will be taking place on the 25th of June as well and the 24th of June. And for more information, you can, of course, visit the Saskatoon Diocese website. Um, moving to Edmonton, on Sunday, June the 26th, there will be a celebration of the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And this is a special Mass and procession of the Blessed Sacrament. They used to do that a lot in the old days, but I think yeah. they're picking it back they up now. They do it in now. my parish. Oh, that's yes. wonderful. So Archbishop Richard Smith will be officiating, celebrating a Mass at two at 12.15 p.m. at the Basilica, at St. Joseph's Basilica in Edmonton, Alberta, on June 25th. Visit the website once again for more details. Also in Edmonton, Alberta, there'll be a retreat for those approaching retirement, and that will be near Caroline, Alberta. It's put on by the Sanctum Retreat House. So if you'd like some information on the weekends they're offering for uh, couples or individuals approaching retirement, you can visit sanctumretreat.ca. And one more, we have a mass for migrant workers that's taking place in Abbotsford, British Columbia. That's tomorrow, Sunday, June the 19th at St. Anne Parish from 7 to 9. That's a mass for all migrant workers in the area. And you can visit the website rcav.org for more info. Oh, that's good to know. We need to support our migrant workers, lots of them uh, already arriving in our country, already been here for a couple months. Thank you, Jenna. There's lots more to come on our show, including how do you know you're a man? So stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And now it's time for... Movie Picks with Chris Giardino. Hi, Pedro. So what, uh, what movies uh, do you want to suggest for us today? Well, this week I thought we'd look at a, a 2010 documentary called Waiting for Superman and Peter Weir's The Way Back. Right, okay. Well, the first one is Waiting for Superman. This was a very successful documentary last year, uh, directed by the acclaimed documentarian Davis Guggenheim. Now, he's Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. He also did a, a great rock documentary uh, called uh, It Might Get Loud. Uh, what this documentary chronicles is the failure of the American public school system. And what it does is it follows several families on a journey for them to get out of one of the worst public school districts in America. It's a charter school. And what's fascinating about it is that he went into the documentary thinking that, you know, the problems with the system would be the typical, uh, you know, not enough money, those sorts of tropes. Um, and while that's part of it, what he, the more he digs, he finds the problem is, is you have such a powerful union system in the States um, that the interests of the unions do not always agree with the interests of families or children. Right. So teachers have tenure, and you'll, you'll see several um, superintendents of the school districts will say, you know, we thought we would come in and make a real difference and get rid of the bad and then with the good, and once we do that, we're the ones that end up getting fired. So what you have is this legacy of schools where, um, you know, all of the bad policies are allowed to be implemented and stayed, where good policies usually fall by the wayside. So is it, uh, uh, would you say, a depressing documentary? Uh, you know, in some ways it is. But, you know, it's, it's, there's the whole title, Waiting for Superman, in quotes, is the whole notion of, you know, waiting for a Superman figure to come and save the day. Right. Uh, and the whole point of it is that it's more complex than that. But what's fascinating about it, though, and what gives you hope, is that you can't solve a problem until you 
realize what the problem is. Exactly. And many people saw this documentary as being a first step as to taking on that so-called third rail, which is, you know, talking about education, and uh, being a first step in maybe the road to solving the problem by at least identifying it. Right, interesting. Okay, and for people who are not crazy about documentaries and would, ra- would rather watch a dramatic film? Uh, Peter Weir's The Way Back. Now, Peter Weir is a very celebrated director. His work was back in the 70s with Picnic and Hanging Rock. Uh, he did Gallipoli, The Year of Living Dangerously, and The Truman mm-hmm. Show. Um, this film stars Ed Harris, Jim Sturgis, Saoirse Ronan, and Colin Farrell. And uh, what they play is, uh, well, Saoirse Ronan they meet up later, but the original cast is made of characters who are escaping a Siberian late prisoner of war camp in time of uh, Stalinist Russia okay. towards the tail end of World War II. Um, and as the chronicles their escape out and across uh, horrible rugged terrain across the Gobi Desert, the film's rated PG. Well, there's nothing graphic in it. It certainly is an intense description of uh, true heroism. I mean, these people, uh, the trucks they have to do crossing the Gobi Desert, going into sanctuary just to get away from a political ideology that has uh, been one of the worst that's ever been unleashed upon the world. Uh, and it truly shows the hardships, but also, in a sense, the joys that can happen of the indomitable human spirit during wartime. Uh, it certainly is a film that is critical of war, um, and at the same time shows that there's still human beings that can shine through and the group has to come together through all their differences. Colin Farrell plays a criminal. Uh, Jim Sturgis is a man whose wife was forced to betray him by the Stalinist uh, secret police. Yeah. And there are people who all come together to try to find their way to sanctuary. Uh, it's, there are some deaths in it. Not everyone makes it across to safety. Uh, and one character at one point midway through the film realizes he doesn't want to. He's actually afraid to be free because he's not known any other life other than under Stalin. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so it's a very fascinating film by, by one of the best directors. Uh, it's a beautiful production, beautiful widescreen cinematography, uh, and it's something I think that uh, for mature audiences it'd definitely be worth checking out. Okay, well, good. Thank you. That's all the time we have. But So there you have it. Two great films. If you want to watch a great documentary, Waiting for Superman, and a great film that you can watch with, uh, with your family, your older, older teenagers maybe, uh, The Way Back. Um, thank you, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. Chris Giardino, our movie expert, he's going to be back in September. But in the meantime, lots of time in the summer uh, for, for good movie watching. So we'll see you then. I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with our programming update. Pedro, hi. Uh, so we have... Um, Memories of Martin, a documentary on Wednesday, June 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. This is about Martin Royakers, Father Martin Royakers, who's a priest from Park Hill, Ontario, who went Did as you a Jesuit. Jesu- Park Hill, Ontario? I think it's Park Hill, New York. It's Park Hill, Ontario. Are you sure? Yeah, I checked it out. It's a Canadian Jesuit. He is? Okay. No, I'm just double checking because I have Martin Royakers. I know. Uh, yeah. He's not the guy from, he's not the guy from New York. No, he's... He was killed in Jamaica. He was killed in Jamaica. Yeah, he's yeah. a Canadian Jesuit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no, no I, yeah, yeah. Does it matter that he's from Park Hill, Ontario? Well, he's from Ontario. He's Canadian. I'll just say... I can just say... Just say he's Canadian. Fine. Well, if, he's, if, he's, if it's Park Hill in New York, then yeah, he's... Yeah, but who cares that it's Park Hill? Except people who live in Park Hill. They don't have satellite radio. It doesn't matter. Fine. Doesn't, I don't yeah, care. Just say he's Canadian. Fine. Okay. Ready? No. 
Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with our programming update. Hi, Pedro. We have uh, Memories of Martin documentary Wednesday, June 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. This documentary is about uh, Martin Royakers, Father Martin Royakers. He's a Canadian Jesuit missionary right. who went to Jamaica and was gunned down uh, in front of his parish. Yeah, okay. Wow, powerful story. Yeah. Um, so that's on Wednesday, June 22nd. At 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And we have a live papal event, the Corpus Christi Mass and Procession, on Thursday, June 23rd, live at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific, repeated at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Okay, so this is not to confuse people because in Canada, we celebrate Corpus Christi on the Sunday. That's right. But in Rome, they celebrate it on the actual feast day, which is on Thursday. Exactly. So, uh... Um, we transfer uh, it to yes, the Sunday. Yes. But so we can still celebrate it on the Thursday with yeah, the Holy Father. Yeah, we can. Father. So you can celebrate it on Thursday with the Holy Father at 1.30 p.m. live. Eastern. Eastern. 10.30 a.m. Pacific. Or that, that evening at prime time at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Yep. Thursday. And that's right. And then Saturday, June 25th, we have the sixth extraordinary prayer of all churches from Jerusalem at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. This is where all the Christian communities of Jerusalem come together. Yeah, it's a great initiative. Prayer. Yeah. And it, uh, after the, the one-hour prayer, it ends with a 30-minute documentary. This is a great initiative because most people don't know that there's all these Christian churches in, in Jerusalem, right. and they don't do a lot of stuff together. So exactly. this initiative to bring them together, to pray together, uh, is great. It's significant. Yeah. So that's the sixth extraordinary prayer of all churches from Jerusalem on Saturday, June 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Remember, our dear listeners, if you're outside our TV broadcasting area, you can watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. There's lots of other stuff on that website, so check it out. Coming up in our second half hour, how can we help fathers? And we also speak with Ana da Costa about her new album, The Deep in You. So stick around. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio, part two. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, you may be familiar with an initiative by the Knights of Columbus called Fathers for Good. We actually have spoken about it on, in this program before. It's a web-based resource for fathers that highlights the unique contributions of men, of husbands and fathers. So whether you've been a dad for a long time or you're a new dad or you're a dad-to-be or maybe you're a single guy, wanting to know more about fatherhood, this website is for you. Since its creation in 2008, Fathers for Good has had many interesting initiatives. And to tell us about a few new ones, we're joined now by Brian Caulfield of Fathers for Good. Brian, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you, Pedro. I, uh, well, I, great to be here. Yes, I should say welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Um, one of the I interesting initiatives that, that I saw on the site is a feature where, um, I guess, Catholics or Catholics of renown uh, have written a brief tribute to their dads. Yes, uh, this is something uh, I think it's important. Uh, every man, you know, wants to give tribute to his father and woman as well. We have a few women featured on, on the site. Right. And it's to give people an idea that their fathers are important and sometimes that father relationship uh, isn't one that, that's as natural or as stressed 
uh, as obviously the mother-child relationship. So it gives men and women a possibility to, uh, to see what other people are writing about their father and their memories, and also to uh, have a few comments uh, on that page right. as well to, to add to it. Why do you think it's important for, for people to remember their dads or, or give tribute to their dads? Well, I think dads maybe sometimes aren't as, I mean, Father's Day, which is coming up, yes. that's what this is linked to. Um, you know, Father's Day, as you know, is not as big a, uh, a, a day as, as, as Mother's, Mother's Day. Mother's Day, you know. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't say that's, you know, that's wrong because, you know, mothers are, are the ones who give birth and they carry the child. And, yeah. you know, I think uh, there's a natural kind of a connection between a mother and child. Yeah. Uh, a father relationship has to kind of be built. You know, I like to say, you know, we try to build our relationships yeah. with hammer and nail, um, but yeah. also we need to, uh, you know, get the emotions involved, too. And that's what this is about. Right. It's, uh, you know, looking back, you know, remembering the emotions, you know, good times, even bad times. Right. You know, but all in, in, in the perspective of, of gratitude, you know, for your father that, you know, he, he, he probably, you know, as, as I'm a father myself, I realize how smart my father was. <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. I, I have I know. to face some of those same problems with my own kids. Yeah, I know, I know. We didn't, we didn't think that when we were adolescents. Um, another another uh, feature that you have um, includes some, I, I, I'd say they're famous, famous Hollywood fathers like Jim Caviezel or, or uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, why was it important to include them the way they've been featured? As fathers. Well, yeah, it's funny. We've gotten, uh, of all the features, you know, in our Father's Day package, that one's gotten the most comments. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's been some fathers coming in and saying, you know, I'm sending this link to my kids who are teenagers because they need to know that there are good Catholic fathers, you know, in Hollywood. Right. And so much in the papers and on the web is about the negative things, about stars and you know, you can think of all the, the negative things, uh, you know, Hollywood stars yeah. uh, go through and the yeah. divorce and things like that and the multiple marriages. And it was just inspiring for uh, a lot of people to read about, you know, fathers who really are committed to their Catholic faith. Right. You know, Jim Caviezel, um, Chris O'Donnell. Danny uh, Thomas. Uh, we go back to Danny Thomas, who's sort of the original uh, yeah. uh, in the old days, you know, uh, Make Room for Daddy and Mark yeah. Wahlberg. And, you know, th these are men who were trying to live their Catholic faith and doing it, you know, more or less in the public eye, which is not always easy in that environment of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, th there's another... I, I hope it doesn't feel like I'm just kind of whizzing through these because they're all very interesting, and I do encourage our listeners to, to go check out the website, fathersforgood.org. But um, there was a particular feature that really uh, uh, interested or intrigued me, and it's the one about... You've, you're asking your readers to remember when they first knew that they had passed into manhood. Yes. How do you know you're a man? Th there's a ton of comments. Of course, I didn't get a chance to read all the comments. But, but uh, it forced me to look back, and I don't know. I'm going to have to spend more time with this. But why was, where did that come from? Why is that important? Well, I, I had heard uh, a talk at a Catholic men's conference, and I think it was by Father Larry Richards. And he really hit on something, which was, you know, how does a, a Western man, you know, in our culture, know that he's passed into manhood from adolescence to manhood? Because we have so few markers. Right, so there's no you know, official ritual. Of, yeah, there's yeah. no official ritual. There's no rite of passage. Yeah. 
Um, it's sort of been downplayed. You know, you think, well, when I got my first license or, you know, for some guys it's when I first got drunk, you know, yeah. things like I could drink legally. Um, but, you know, there isn't that definite marker. And, and there's a lot of research today about men delaying their um, from adult, you know, extending their adolescence and yes. delaying their entry into manhood and, you know, getting married later and having children later. So I thought it would be interesting. It's probably something that most men would be interested in thinking about yeah. and, you know, bring back maybe some good memories or some awkward memories. Or, and we did get a lot of comments on that. And men were really opening up about it. And, you know, a couple of comments also said, well, it's still going on. You know, it's like, right, yeah. You know, some, I actually did read it. It was a, a gentleman. I think he said he was 66 or something. And he's still, uh, he's still becoming a man. Do, yeah. Can, can yeah. you remember some, some specific moments that, that some of the readers may re- refer to as when they became a man? Uh, do they still go back to when my first child was born or when I got married or when I graduated from university? Or are, are men looking at, at more significant or more personal events? Well, you know, you're looking at some of the older guys who responded to this. Yeah. There's one who said, when I was uh, a commander of a ship in the Navy... And I realized all these men, I was responsible for all these men. I knew then I was a man. And another one, when he didn't run away under fire, I think it was in the Korean War. Um, You know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's very dramatic. Um, Well, but do you think, do you think, and here I I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but do you think it has to do with assuming certain responsibilities or or, or courage? I think definitely. You know, for men, it's... uh, that's it. I mean, someone's given this responsibility and said, you know, you got to grow up or grow out. You know, it's like, you know, right. ship up or shape out, shape up or ship out. Yeah. And maybe guys are not given that opportunity today because everything is, you know, you go through high school, then you go through college and your graduate school. And then, you know, there, there's, it's delayed. It's a kind of a delayed kind of taking on of responsibility. And uh, I, I think some guys kind of, end that whole thing and say, you know, who am I and what am I doing? Right. So for, for some, well, maybe for a lot of them, it, it is related to fatherhood because that's when you have these specific responsibilities that, you know, better, better smarten up or not or else. Yeah, 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 no. I mean, you have to step up. And, uh, and I think of my father, he, he joined the Navy when he was 17 and uh, into World War II. So, I mean, he felt he was wow. old enough at the time and it was encouraged that, you know, look, you're old enough, go, you know, fight, be a hero, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, not sometimes anymore. Um, you know, and now we talk about the heli- helicopter parents who are, you know, even with the kids graduating college, you know, they're all around and they're and doing the parents, everything. Yeah. And yeah, you baby, know, we're, yeah, I don't think we're doing our kids a lot of, you know, we don't want to throw them out into the sea. But, uh, you know, along the way, we need to give them certain ways of, of doing things on their own and, going through little rites of passage as they, as they uh, grow older. Right. Now, um, the last uh, initiative I want to ask you about is the Father's Day Novena that you've, in, I guess, initiated. Sure. Um, w- w- you're encouraging everyone to pray for fathers? Yes, I think so. And uh, this is Novena is dedicated to St. Joseph, the patron of fathers. Of course. And it's a video-based. We have nine different videos by a noted, uh, you know, Catholic men speakers, you know, they're kind of known on the Catholic uh, conference speaker tour. Right. And basically they give three to four minute meditations on different themes of fatherhood, relating it to the life and the virtues of St. Joseph. And uh, there's also the prayer 
the Saint Joseph that we have. Uh, right. So it's not there. so it's not strictly just praying a novena because you're offering uh, your your viewers, I guess your your followers, some meditation or reflection, something something to chew on as well. Yes, and it's also a visual base, which you know on the web is what people yeah. are looking for. Yeah, it is. So rather than just you know post a novena prayer that people. We said, why don't we do something a little different? Why don't we, you know, get some, uh, you know, noted speakers to give a little reflection on different aspects of fatherhood, you know, their own fatherhood and the virtues of St. Joseph. Yeah. And, uh, you know, see how that goes. No, yeah, no, and, and I'd say uh, it, it, that it's specific to Father's Day, but maybe it isn't, that there's something that, that anyone can go and, and watch the videos at any time and and still benefit from it and still pray for it. You don't have to wait for Father's Day to pray for fathers. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The videos really are applicable to any time. Yes, um, for sure. Just talking about the virtues uh, of men and fathers of fatherhood. Yeah, no, it's a great, great idea. Um, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today and for helping us uh, kind of remember our dads and, and, and remember what uh, being a man is all about. Good, and uh, just remember fathersforgood.org and... Uh, it's it's there and it's always being updated uh, with new uh, with new content. Absolutely, um, yes, it's a great site, FathersForGood.org. We're going to put a link to that on our site. Uh, I was just speaking with Brian Caulfield of the Fathers for Good Initiative of the Knights of Columbus. Um, here now is our featured artist of the week, Anna Da Costa, with the title track of her new album, "The Deep in You." I want to whisper in your ear Tell you the things alive in me I want to hold your heart in mine Hold you tenderly You make my heart sing I want to feel your love in mine Taste your love like tasting wine Feel your breath, oh, breathe on me You're a melody You make my heart sing I want to Oh 
Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. That was Ana da Costa with her song, The Deep in You. I hate to say this again when introducing someone, but I first met Ana da Costa in 2001 as we were preparing for World Youth Day 2002. Ana is the singing and writing partner of Susan Hukong Taylor. Together, they wrote the famous Song of the Cross. I met Anna, and she was quiet. She's a third-order Franciscan. She's humble, but she's a talented songwriter and singer in her own right. Her new album, just released today, The Deep In You, is already getting great comments. I had the chance to speak to Anna da Costa earlier this week. Hello, Anna. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hello, Pedro. Um, um, I, I want to talk about the Franciscan thing first. Sure. Because... Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, that is, that's how I see you. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing. Third Order Franciscan, why? Where, where did that come for you? Uh, I mean, it's a vocation, but where did that, how did that happen for you? Um, just a desire to live out a deeper Christian life. And St. Francis, since I remember my communion singing a song, uh, St. Francis Prayer, and it always stayed with me. And as I got older, it, it just uh, made a lot of sense to me, and it spoke to me. And so I decided to discern, and, and right. I actually was discerning um, religious life. Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. Why, and I guess it's discernment and, and vocation, but why not the religious life, and rather uh, a, lay, a lay order? Um, you know, I still think about that. So uh, right now I'm a third order, and if... I'm led into that consecrated life. I'm definitely open to it. Um, maybe I'm just really selfish. <laughs> no, no, but maybe it's a different. It's a different vocation. It's a different calling. That's so true. So they're both they're both good. Um, when did the the singing songwriting start for you? Uh, when I was about, well, I always sang as a kid and made up my own songs, but I didn't yeah. really think much of it until about uh, maybe I was eighteen or nineteen. I picked up the guitar, and I, I taught myself, uh -huh. and as I started playing chords, lyrics would come to me, and so I started writing and writing them down and, and putting chords to that, and it just it came together. It wasn't one thing separate. Right. It was both music and words coming together, which was pretty uh, surprising to me. I didn't know I had that gift, and uh -huh. I guess it just developed as I... Um, developed as a young adult. Yeah. Did you study music at all? or In school, I did. I played the trumpet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Anna de Costa playing the trumpet. Yeah, um, exactly. And what about the, the faith? Did you grow up in a, in a, in a kind of faith-filled home, Catholic home, or did yeah. that also come later? No, that, no, we always, we grew up, we went to Mass every Sunday, and, you know, our parents taught us, well, yeah. taught us about charity and, and loving one another, and um, it was a, it was pretty amazing. I grew up with my godparents. We grew up in the same house. Okay, so interesting. There was a lot of love and a lot of caring. Um, and then when we, we moved away, um, my parents moved to Mississauga. My godparents also decided to live on the same street, so we wouldn't have any kind of uh, separation anxiety with the kids. Right. And actually, during my teenage years, things got a little bit rough because my yeah. dad turned to drink, and um, you know, life life was hard. Right, but did you did uh, when you say that it was hard? Did you doubt your faith, or did, was the faith there supporting you all along? Um, I, mean, I was honest with. I think I would say I was honest with God. If I was mad, I was mad. Yeah, you know? well, that's good. And sometimes I wouldn't go to church on Sunday because I figured what for. 
I didn't understand, you know, how could there be peace? Right. Um, so, it, so I, I would, I would say, you know what, I'm not going to mass as a, I was just rebelling, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which but is normal. But the, the cool thing is, I, I always spoke to God. I never stopped speaking to God, mm-hmm. even when I was angry. Right. And had questions, and and I believed that God existed. So that wasn't a question for me. It was just being real and honest and saying, you know what, this is this is why. Where are you right now? I need you right now. And right. You know, I I'm having a hard time seeing you in all of this. Yeah. Was there a moment then where things changed for you, or was it gradual? I think I think it was gradual. Um, and I had this deep hunger for communion, the uh-huh. Eucharist. Uh huh. And I realized that I I, I needed to. Uh, go back to the Eucharist because I was hungering for something deeper that the world wasn't giving me. Right. And so I started to go to Mass during the week, and uh, there's a lot of tears and huh. a lot of healing, and um, it just went up from there. So this was around the same time that you were starting to write songs? Exactly. So it was all kind of happening yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna, just a note for anyone that may be tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Ana da Costa. She has a new album, The Deep In You. Um, um, tell me a little bit about this album, because I know it's not technically your first album, or is it? It's not. I, years, many years ago, I recorded a cassette. <laughs> okay, you're so, dating yourself. That's right, I'm dating myself. I remember cassettes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very, actually, it was a little project I did in someone's basement, and, and everyone did everything um, very beautifully. Yeah. And when I listen to it now, I think, oh my gosh, that was really hurting. But it, it was where <laughs> I was, and um, it actually touched a lot of people. Yeah. And um, and those it, were, it were all, they were all your songs as well? Yes, they were. Yes, okay. Were. And some people still talk about it, which is kind of scary. Well, that's neat. You should do like a re. I should get my hands on it. I'll I play no, it on I the radio. To do it, I have to do it over again. Do the re the re release the re re di- the digital version. Well, that that may, that may be that may be an idea. The kind of fun. Kinda neat. Um, yeah. uh, are any of the songs? Uh, have you redone any of those songs? From the cassette? Yeah, re-recorded any of those songs? No. No, okay, so, so then that's a project for you to do. Tell me a little bit about the partnership with Susan, Susan Hukong-Taylor. Oh, well, How did met, that all evolve? Yeah, I met Susan at St. Catherine of Siena uh, Church in Mississauga. Yeah. She, she, she was singing there since she was about 12 years old and playing guitar, and right. I joined the choir. And the rest is history, really. We, we became friends, and we started hanging out and singing together. And, you know, I was already doing music ministry, and there were times where I needed... Um, someone else to accompany me and I would call on her and, and she would generously come. Yeah. And things just evolved from there, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right when you say that the rest is history because mm-hmm. there's quite the journey of the two of you together. Yeah. And she supported you with this album as well. She actually produced the album. Okay. So is she singing with you in the album? Yes, she is. So and she's playing some instruments. Right. And yeah. So she's been a huge support for me with this album. Yeah, I think a lot of people are will recognize the sound, mm-hmm. the, the, the deep water sound, if you want to call it, or Susan and Anna sound. Yeah. Um, you know that tomorrow is Father's Day. Yes. And I, I know that one of the songs in the album is either dedicated to or written about your dad. Yes. So can you tell us a bit about that? Well, the song title is Pennies. Uh-huh. And I wrote it years ago. Uh, my, my dad passed away two years, in 2009, right. of, of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I had written a song before that, years before that. And it was a song about my childhood and growing up and yeah. the things he taught me. 
and how things kind of, you know, drifted away. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was just praying for God to strengthen him, and I was thankful for every moment because it has made me who I am. So the, the sorry, the connection with pennies. Pennies, that's a great question. So when we were kids, when I was living with my godparents, um, my dad would gather all the kids together, and we would, he would make us close our eyes and, and, and turn towards him, and he would take change out of his pocket, huh. and he'd throw the pennies on the grass. Sometimes we'd find a quarter, which was always a bonus. Nice. But it was normally, it was pennies, and he would throw them, and we would we, we'd go, go looking for them. So that was a really fond memory of growing up. And when we did accumulate a lot of money, we would, well, you know, 25 cents or something. We'd go right. down to the store and buy Freezies and Lolas and right. bazooka gum. Do you see an, an image of God the Father in that? Absolutely. How? Um, my dad was a very generous man. And I think the reason why I have the relationship I have with God is because my dad, as a child, uh, me being a child, really lavished love and affection on mm. us. Yeah, that's such a good thing to remember. Uh, we were just speaking with Brian Caulfield, who is uh, has a campaign with the Knights of Columbus called Fathers for Good, and they really want to celebrate fatherhood. But it's that idea that that our relationship with God is so deeply rooted in the relationship that we have with our earthly dad. Yes, I believe There's not that. a coincidence that God is father. Mm, exactly, yeah. I believe that, truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Anna, that's all the time we have, but um, it's been so good to finally have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, and th- love the music. Keep up what you're doing. Great, uh, great work. Um, if people want to uh, find out more about you and Susan or bringing you to their event or their parish or to get the album, right. they should go to the website, deepwatersound.ca, that's correct? That's correct. So deepwatersound.ca, we'll put that link on our site as well. Thank you very much, And all Anna. the best to you, Pedro, and, and blessings on your ministry and your family. Thank you very much. Here now, actually, is Anna da Costa with her song, Pennies. When I look back today And I remember yesterday How we would search for those pennies on the lawn We would laugh and play Joke and cry some days Sing silly songs the level in my mind Grapes were turned to wine Roses smelled divine We would swim on cold days And eat fashion cakes Hang on monkey paws Yeah, we were superstars And he taught me how to pray And be thankful listening to Anna da Costa with her song, Pennies. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can also stream or podcast all Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests 
go visit their websites and buy their products. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closely, you can do so on Facebook and Twitter. A very blessed day to all fathers, grandfathers, godfathers, and even priests out there. Enjoy your day. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Give me everything. You make me whole again so I can pray again. See you.